from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 132 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. I believe that this Advent season has already begun with a very, very heightened sense of waiting. It feels like our entire world is waiting. Now, albeit maybe for different things, but, you know, we as Christians wait for the coming of our Lord at our very finest foundation and core. But our world also waits for a COVID-19 vaccine right now. We are waiting. We are waiting for the day when we can hug all of our loved ones again without fear of exposure. We are waiting. We are waiting for the day when healthcare workers can take a break and rest from the chaos and the trauma they are currently enduring. We're waiting. We're waiting by the phone, waiting to hear if our brother or mother or aunt or neighbor came home from the ICU after their diagnosis of COVID-19 took a sharp turn for the worse. We are waiting. We're waiting to return to our favorite restaurant without simply getting takeout. And maybe we're waiting to go to that football game that we usually attend with our kids. We are waiting. We are waiting for the day when we can host choir rehearsal again and have our congregations sing to their fullest hearts and spirits. We are waiting. We are waiting. As Kate Basie discussed in last week's episode, 2020 has cracked open our world and the things that we expect within it. But is there a small sliver of positivity in the midst of this waiting? Can we use this time as space to truly center ourselves this Advent season? Today on the podcast, we feature a replay from Dr. Tony Alonso. Tony is a theologian and composer whose work is animated by the diverse needs of the contemporary church. A Cuban-American Roman Catholic, Tony's compositions embrace multicultural musical expressions and reflect a commitment to strong ritual song. Tony wrote the theme song for the 2020 Los Angeles Religious Education Congress, and one of Tony's most recent projects, Caminemos con Jesús, was recently nominated for a Latin Grammy Award. In the 2019 Raleigh Convention book, Tony describes the following recording as such, as it was one of his key changes from the 2019 convention. And I quote, Most of us struggle to take the time for silence, and not in a peripheral way, but in an intentional way that clears the clutter from within 
and opens a portal for the voice of God in our lives. We often hear about taking time for contemplation, but we rarely consider it, much less make it happen. Be inspired to build a stronger connection with God. In an article in America Magazine, Catholic author, teacher, and journalist Kaya Oakes confesses to being burnt out of being what she calls a professional Catholic. She admits that her own regimen of writing, speaking, and teaching about Catholicism has often left her not only exhausted, but also at times with feelings of creeping cynicism and despair. To be a pastoral musician is, in many ways, to be a professional Catholic. And I can't imagine that there are many of us who are pastoral musicians of any age that haven't at some point or another experienced the exhaustion, despair, and cynicism to which Kaya Oakes confesses in her essay. And this tendency toward professional Catholic burnout isn't because we don't love the church, but precisely because we do. But loving the church and working for the church can sometimes be very different things. Our own particular proximity as pastoral musicians to the inner workings of the church in all of its promises and all of its pitfalls, or the need at times to subordinate our own struggles to instead accompany others through their pains, confronts us with the need for an ongoing practice of self-care, not only for ourselves, but also for those we love and for those we serve. For we know that the flight attendants have it right when they tell us what to do in the case of loss of cabin pressure. We must secure our masks before assisting others. Because without doing that, not only are we at risk, but so are those we love and those we serve. In light of the particular hazards of professional Catholic burnout to which we are often susceptible as pastoral musicians, it's tempting for me to want to prescribe a nice long vacation. But the truth is, because of your dedication to your ministry, the summer NPM convention probably is your summer vacation. And even when we do finally get to take that precious vacation every once in a while, we know all too well that the refreshment and renewal we feel wears off as soon as we walk in the door to two funerals, a wedding couple who wants a whole new world for the communion song, and to news that our sub forgot to show up for the Saturday night vigil mass while we were away. Absent more sustained practices of nourishment and refreshment, even the most luxurious vacation has very little staying power for professional Catholics. And so I want to invite you to think about gifting yourself, or depending on your makeup, challenging yourself to an ongoing cultivation of silence in your daily ministry as both preventative medicine and remedy for the potential for burnout that can emerge from being a professional Catholic. Of course, we should not too quickly romanticize every kind of silence. Certain forms of silence have been and continue to be quite dangerous, thick, painful, even fatal. But the kind of silence I want to think with you about is not merely a negative reality. True silence is not merely the opposite of sound. Because if we think about silence as merely the absence of sound waves, 
we'll quickly discover that silence in those terms doesn't really exist at all. But true silence has no opposite. It is the foundation of both the presence and the absence of sound. It is the foundation of both stillness and of action. Silence itself is paradoxically a very powerful sound, and no two silences are the same. Silence is finally something that comes from inside of us, not something for which we wait for some set of ideal conditions outside of us, which are rarely, if ever, available in our lives or in our world. True silence is something we can cultivate no matter what the situation or what the noise. The kind of silence of which I am speaking is an active silence, not the absence of something, but the intentional cultivation of stillness, mindfulness, listening, beholding. And so I want to think with you about cultivating silence in our lives, in our music making, and in our liturgies. And in each of these, I offer these not as an expert or sage or preacher, but as self-exhortation and self-examination, and hope that they might also be helpful to you in your work. First, silence in our daily lives. In Laudato Si, Pope Francis writes about both the opportunities and challenges of contemporary social media. We should be concerned that, alongside the exciting possibilities offered by contemporary media, a deep and melancholic dissatisfaction with interpersonal relationships, or a harmful sense of isolation can also arise. Such, I think, is the paradox of our contemporary lives. Surrounded by more connections than ever before, yet perhaps more isolated than ever before. Often our culture's fear of silence is rooted in a fear of letting ourselves be at home with our own anxieties. We want to quiet down our anxieties in the mix of our lives, and so we turn other things up. When we are lonely or anxious or frightened, we can be tempted toward habits and practices that only intensify those feelings, rather than quell them, offering seemingly momentary relief that, if it is effective at all, only wears off the moment we stop. We can become addicted to activity. I want to suggest that although our craving for connection can often manifest as seeking something outside of ourselves, whether it be checking our email, constantly refreshing our social media, continuously glancing at our phone for a response to a text message we sent, always turning on the television or even music when there is space for silence, that the most nourishing thing we can do for ourselves throughout the practice of our own everyday lives is to cultivate brief moments of intentional silence. Scientific research is catching up with what contemplatives have always known to be true, that silence is literally beneficial to our health. It can lower blood pressure, boost the immune system, increase concentration, even increase happiness. Silence has been shown to be a crucial part of stimulating the brain and to restructuring the way in which the mind works. Silence is literally a powerful medicine that offers both remedy and inoculation. 
For many years, I would begin my day with the morning news. I would switch it on immediately after I woke up as I made my coffee. But I slowly began to realize how much that rhythm shaped my entire day. My mood was often beholden to the mood of the news of the day, unconsciously shaping what I thought about and how I felt. More recently, I've tried to swap that practice for silence. And sometimes in that silence, anxieties emerge. Other times, gratitude. Other times, fear or disappointment. Other times, joy. But in all cases, it has allowed me to begin the day on my own terms, rather than on the terms of the news or Facebook posts or anything else. The key I am coming to see is to let what arises in silence arise without judgment. To allow the silence to do its fullest work in us is to allow ourselves to feel the full range of human experience of which the Psalms teach us is all worthy of our prayer and praise to a God who knows us when we sit and we stand, who discerns our purpose from afar. Perhaps silence in the morning is a privilege that is impossible for you. But there are other ways to cultivate silence. There are even apps that offer brief meditations that either guide or lead to silence. You might take a full minute of silence before or after taking your lunch and marvel at the transformation a single minute of silence can work inside of you. You might take three minutes of silence before a meeting you know will be contentious, so you enter the space and the conversation from a place of calm strength rather than reactivity. Such silence does not necessitate a trip to the mountains. Even in the midst of a busy city, or a busy conference, or a busy church, it is possible to cultivate silence. Second, silence in our music making. This may at first blush seem oxymoronic, silence in the midst of music making. But I want to suggest that we as musicians make our best music in community And to make music in community requires dialogue, listening, and even silence. I remember several years ago at the Los Angeles Religious Education Congress, Gary Daigle was asked to play synthesizer for a big liturgy in Anaheim Arena of 10,000 people. The band was an incredible array of rhythm section that included no less than four percussionists, as well as a full complement of brass and strings. As the rehearsal began and the band began playing, I was surprised to notice that Gary was not playing, but simply sitting there. And then as the rehearsal went on, I watched him continue to not play. He ended up not playing a note for the entire first several songs. And then it dawned on me, he was listening. He was silent. Because there was no space for him to speak musically and he didn't want to add his musical voice to a conversation so saturated with sound. Only someone willing to listen first, rather than eagerly anxious to play first, can enter music-making with that kind of musical generosity and humility. So often we as musicians are eager to contribute to the musical conversation, yet fail to realize that the most significant contribution we might make is one we only hear by listening, by being still, by being silent. 
Some of the best conductors under whom I've had the opportunity to make music have all emphasized in different ways the importance of rests in music. Indeed, without rests there would be no music. They are essential to musical satisfaction. Music without moments of silence, however small, would be chaotic and oppressive. Sometimes my friend Krista Silva and I will critique one another's compositions, and when there's a long phrase with lots of notes, one of us will turn to the other and say, wow, you had a lot to say there, didn't you? It's another way of gently saying, there aren't enough spaces. You didn't leave any room. There's no space to breathe, literally or figuratively. But I have come to learn that the spaces we leave as musicians are finally as important as the sounds that we make. Finally, silence in our liturgies. Just as in our daily lives and in our music-making, cultivating well-placed, well-observed silence and liturgy can be healing and nourishing. It can, I think, be the moments in which the work of God in the Eucharist can take place most fully within us. Of course, there are plenty of examples in which silence and liturgy does none of these things, like the accidental silences because of lack of preparation, or a liturgy without music in the name of efficiency. But the most profound silences of the liturgy are not the accidental ones, or ones that minimize the primacy of the role of the assembly but the ones we intentionally cultivate as a community of faith. One of the most significant weaknesses in contemporary liturgical practice across Christian denominations and across ideologies, I think, is the way in which our worship often mirrors the larger culture's discomfort with silence and with stillness, rather than offering a compelling alternative to it. As important as words in general and the word in particular are to the Christian life, we tend to put so much faith in words, especially our own in worship, in ways that we think make God more accessible or make the liturgy more intelligible, but often instead, often finally limit the ways in which God and the liturgy might be speaking to us. Expressions of this are found whenever presiders offer running commentaries throughout the liturgy, or whenever we as musicians and liturgists are tempted to cover over every silence with music. Most of this, I believe, is unintentional. It's a kind of habitual way of filling space with sound to which we get so accustomed. Our own ability to practice silence can yield the same results in liturgy. And this is why cultivating silence in our daily lives can help us hold space for silence with strength and conviction in our liturgies. Pope Francis has recently emphasized the importance of liturgical silence. Silence isn't reduced to the absence of words, he writes, but rather disposing oneself to listen to other voices, that of our heart, and especially the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think we sometimes underestimate the ability of our assemblies to handle silence. When is the last time we prepared practiced, or even discussed liturgical silence. Where should it be? Why should it be? How might silence be used differently in different seasons? And how might we as leaders cultivate it and model it in our liturgies? 
liturgical silence just might be the most countercultural act we can summons in a world saturated with sound. And it is only on the foundation of that silence, that stillness, that contemplation, that we can be led to our most profound gestures of peace, justice, and reconciliation in the world. Irenaeus once said, The glory of God is the human being fully alive. Often left out from this beautiful quote is its second part. The glory of the human being is the beholding of God. The beholding of God is that to which I am inviting us to contemplate. A silent beholding that is itself a prayer. But perhaps a prayer in which we do more listening than speaking. To make space for silence in our lives, in our music, and in our liturgies is finally to leave space for the Spirit who calls forth in us a hymn of silence and evokes within us those sighs too deep for words. The recording of Creator of the Stars of Night was arranged by Kenneth Lowenberg and produced by GIA Publications. Today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. And today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.